In today's gospel, we hear John the Baptist's voice ringing out in the desert. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And his proclamation is very effective because it says that the whole, all of Jerusalem, the whole region of Judea, the area of Jordan, they were all going out to be baptized by him as they were acknowledging their sins. They were moved to repentance, to turn away from sin. And the question we want to ask is, what is, what is that all about? What is sin exactly? Why do we have a need for repentance? Why do we have a need to ask for forgiveness for sins, acknowledge our sins? Last week, the word that we were focusing in on was created. We spoke all about creation. The word for this week is a tougher word, captured. Last week, we asked for two things, wonder and awe. Wonder and awe at creation, to be amazed again by the beauty of creation and all the, all the things that we talked about, all the consequences that it has for our life. This week, we want to ask for another two things. We want to ask for light, and as strange as it may seem, we want to ask for despair, and we'll see why. Last week, we saw that God created everything good. In the book of Genesis, after each day of creation, what does he say? He saw, and it was good. It was good. It was good. And the final day when he created human beings, it says that he saw, and it was very good when he was finished with everything. We saw that he thought of every single one of us, that he loved us into existence. He didn't have to create us. We aren't necessary. But he wanted to freely. He wanted to create us out of love. He thought of every single one of us. That's beautiful. That's amazing. But when we look around at the world, even when we look within, it doesn't seem like everything is so good. When we look around and we see pain and suffering and sadness, violence, corruption, sickness, and death, when we see all that, we say, what the heck happened? Why is everything so messed up if he created everything so good? We spend a lot of time trying to sweep the problem under the rug, not think about it too much, but this week we want to look at Stark in the face. We want to see things for how they are, for how they really are. We want to see things through the biblical lens, the way that God sees them. A lot of times we can walk around with a mask, pretending like everything's okay. They ask us, hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm fine, I'm good. But on the inside, that's not the case always. We're not always doing so good. And when things get really tough, when, things, when we're in a really bad spot, when we're hitting rock bottom, those low points in our life, what do we ask? Why? Why, God? Why do you allow this? Do you want me to suffer right now? Why don't you do something about this? Do you want this person that I care about so much to be suffering right now? Why are you allowing this? Where are you right now, God? It's almost as if life boils down to this stage and we're on this stage and there's really just two people, me and God. And when things get really bad, we ask God, what's going on? But we sometimes don't realize or we sometimes forget 
is that there's a third person on the stage. But he likes to be back in the darkness. doesn't like to be seen. And he's the enemy. Satan, the devil, whatever you want to call him. But he is our real enemy. C.S. Lewis, he wrote an amazing book. It's called The Screwtape Letters. And in that book, he describes the tactics of the devil. And the way that he does it is he describes this senior demon writing to a junior demon and giving him advice. But in the prologue to that book, he says something very important for us. He says that we face two equal and opposite lies that the devil uses in our lives. The first lie that he uses is to make us think that he doesn't really exist. And the second lie that he uses is to make us think that he's more powerful than what he really is. So today we're asking, that's the reason that we're asking for light, for God to turn up the lights on the stage and reveal the enemy for who he really is. To see who he is, to see what he does in our lives, and to see what his objective is. Because the enemy, it's not, the enemy is not God. The enemy is not another person. The enemy is not another gender or race or political party. The enemy is the enemy. That's our real enemy. And he's very real. The first rule of any sport or any competition is to know your enemy. You need to know your opponent. If you've ever played a sport, you probably watched game film. You want to know the opponent. You want to know their plays, their tactics. What are they going to do so that you can beat them? Well, we want to do the same thing. And the first question is, well, then who is he? Who is he really? What is his identity? What do we know about him? Well, we know that he's a fallen angel, and that means he's powerful. But what the book of Genesis says, in poetic words, it says that he's the serpent, the devil, is the most cunning of all the creatures. That's what the book of Genesis says. And that's important for us because it means that he's cunning, he's sly, he's powerful, but he's a creature. He's not God. He's not on the same level with God. He's weaker than God. And we also know that he turned away from God out of pride and envy. In the book of Wisdom, it says this, For God formed us to be imperishable. He formed us to be imperishable. The image of his own nature he made us. But by the envy of the devil, death entered the world. And they who are allied with him experience it. He envied and he despised God's plan for us, what God wanted to do in our lives, the way that God wanted to lift us up and exalt us. He envied that. He despised that. He rebelled against that plan. And what he seeks to do with the other fallen angels is to mar that plan, mar God's creation, and especially to mar God's plan for our lives. So how does he do it? What does he do? What are his tactics? Well, the Bible tells us how he does it. The Bible, it's like our game film, and it reveals to us the enemy's playbook. Because ever since Adam and Eve, he's been running the same plays over and over and over again. But we don't know him, and so we fall into him. First of all, he lies and he accuses. Jesus calls him the father of lies. And the word Satan 
means the accuser. He sows lies and accusations in our hearts all the time. Listen to some of these and think about if you've ever heard these, if you've ever experienced these, if they've ever come into your mind, into your heart. God's not good. He's not really your father. He doesn't care about you. If he did, he'd do something about this. Where is he right now? He's holding out on you. He just wants to control you. He doesn't want you to be free. Lies, lies, and more lies. And he does the same thing with others. He sows these lies and accusations in our hearts about others as well. He wants you to focus. He wants us to focus on the bad things of others. To focus on the things that we wish they would have done, but they didn't do. He sows these lies in our, in our hearts as well. Why'd they do that? They don't really care about you. They don't love you. And he tempts us. He tempts us and then he, and he flatters us. He says, hey, try this. Try this and you'll feel better. Do this. And you do it and it doesn't work. And we fall and then what does he do? He shames you. He shames us. Look at what you did. You're pathetic. The same thing over and over and over again. You're never going to be able to change. No wonder they treat you like this. You're used goods. You're worthless. Your life doesn't matter. And finally, he divides. That's what the word devil means, the one who divides. He divides us from others. He seeks to divide marriages. He seeks to divide families. He seeks to divide friendships. Parents from their children, children from their parents, communities, the church, our country, countries. He's a divider, but he especially wants to divide us from God. That's what he most wants to do. Because he knows that God created us for communion with him. He wants us to experience his love, the love of the Father. And that's what the devil most doesn't want for our lives. So he seeks to divide us from God so that we won't experience that love. I warned you it was going to be a tough day today, this topic of captured. But we have to go one step further tonight, one more step. Because it's only when we realize how bad the bad news is that we realize how amazingly good the good news of the gospel really is. And this is the step that I want to take. Sometimes we think of sin as just these arbitrary rules that God set up and that when we break one of the, those rules, that's a sin. It's just breaking some rules and we don't really understand what's the point of these rules. But sin is, it's a lot deeper than that. The Bible presents us a much deeper vision about sin. The Bible presents sin as a power. This is what St. Paul writes. He says, Sin came into the world through one man, and death came through sin. And so death spread to all because all have sinned. Sin exercised dominion in death. He uses this word dominion, and that's very important because that word dominion, it comes from the Latin word dominus, which means Lord. 
He's saying that we're under the lordship of sin and death. We're under the power of sin and death. And this is very obvious with death. If there's one thing that nobody in this room is going to escape, it's death. Every single one of us is something that all of us are going to face. It's a terrible reality. It's a painful reality. But we know that nobody here is going to escape that. But he's saying the same thing about sin as well, that we're under the power of sin in our lives, under the dominion of sin. Jesus, this is what he says. He says that he puts it very bluntly. He says, everyone who commits a sin is a slave to sin. Those are striking words. And at first, we, they may, we may repel against those and say, I'm not a slave to sin. I'm not a slave to anything. We'll just try to stop sinning then. It's not so easy. But allow me to ask you this question. Have you ever done something that you knew wasn't good, that you didn't really want to do, but you did it anyways? I know I have. I think it happens to us all the time. St. Paul, he puts it this way. He says, for I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells within me. He's speaking about this experience of the dominion of sin. I, I don't do the good that I want to do, and I do the evil that I don't want to do, and I do it over and over and over again, and I can't escape it. As a priest, I hear about this all the time. I experience it in my own life as well. I saw it in a really powerful way in this mission trip that we did in New York City. I may have told you a little bit about it on a different occasion, but we went to the South Bronx with a group of guys. We were missioning there, visiting some different people in the Bronx on the streets. It's, it's, it was the toughest part of New York City that I saw in my, in my time there. It's a really rough area, the South Bronx, if you've ever been there. And we were bringing food to people, but especially wanted to pray for people. And I still remember we came up to one guy who was very obviously high. We went up to him anyways to give him some food, and as soon as we approached him, he said, you guys shouldn't be here. You shouldn't, I just did something really bad. Please, please go away. We said, hey, man, don't worry. Listen, we've got some food. Are you hungry? Can we give you some food? Can we, can we pray for you? He said, no, you shouldn't be here right now. We said, don't worry. Can we just say a prayer for you? And he broke down in that moment, and he said, please pray for me to get out of this. I don't want this, but I can't get out of it. That's the dominion of sin. And it's not just with drugs. It's with all kinds of things that we may fall into over and over again, being judgmental towards others, anger, or resentment that we can't let go of and that just keeps welling up in our hearts. Envy towards others. We see other people and we feel this feeling of envy. We fall into that. Or the need for approval and confirmation. Constantly needing those words of approval and confirmation from others, but it's never quite enough. Or pleasures that we seek over and over again to seek to fill some void that we feel in our hearts, but it never quite does the job. Or vanity, being overly worried about our image, what others think or say about us, what I look like, 
or greed and attachment to goods. And the devil, he just keeps lying and accusing and dividing and shaming. Look, and when we fall, he says that, look at what you did. You did it again. You're never going to change. Where's God right now? He just keeps throwing that on us. No one really cares. The closest metaphor, and that's why we're using this word captured, the closest metaphor is like being captured, taken, kidnapped. Have you ever read a testimony about that? Have you ever seen the movie Taken, for example, that shows that reality? Or read about what that's like of somebody who actually could escape that? It's a terrible reality. Under these people who are taken, kidnapped, and they're under the control of somebody else, and they fall into total despair because there's no way that they can escape. You feel the despair yet? That's why we're asking for that as well. To realize that we are under the power of sin and death and there's absolutely no way out if God doesn't do something about it. But God did do something about it. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to rescue us. This is what St. Paul writes. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. That's our hope, to overcome the despair. That Jesus Christ was the one who conquered sin and death. That sin and death did not have dominion over him. And if we're united to him, they don't have dominion over us. He came to rescue us. And that's going to be the topic of next week. But we can't jump ahead to that yet. We have to stop for a moment. And we have this week to do that, to stop and let this soak in. And ask for those two things. Ask for God to give you light, to be able to see how Satan is working in our lives, the way that he's lying and accusing and dividing and shaming. See him for who he is. See his tactics in your life, how he's attacking you. Experience a little bit of that despair that we can't escape on our own so that it drives us to cry for a savior, to realize our need for Jesus as our savior. And I just wanna leave you with these questions to think about. They're gonna be in the bulletin as well. But think about these questions this week. Where do I see Satan working in my life? Lying, accusing, dividing, and shaming. What things do I keep falling into that I feel trapped in? And where do I need a savior to rescue me and get me out? Because only if we realize how bad this bad news really is, will we realize, will we experience how amazingly powerful the good news of the gospel really is.